Hello and welcome to another episode of Tribecast with your host Harry. Today we have an interview with Yasmin Asolen, who is a diversity, equality and inclusion expert. We're going to be talking about the finished job market, different types of discrimination and entrepreneurship. I hope you guys enjoy. Firstly, I'd just like to say thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's great. Um, if you could tell people um, just a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my name is Yasmin Asolin, and I was born in Tampere, actually. Uh, and I went to university there. I studied global politics or international relations. And I have a, like a Swedish speaking mom, uh, like a, a minority, minority, like a Swedish speaking Finn minority. Uh, and then my dad is actually Moroccan. So I'm coming from like a mixed background with dual heritage and like a multicultural background. And I was born and raised in Tampere. And yeah, well, basically four years ago, I moved to Helsinki and that's where my career kind of started developing. I started in communications and then started working with diversity, equity, inclusion and anti-racism pretty quickly. And yeah, four years uh, later, now I'm here. I've been working in different, very interesting organizations. And basically now I'm starting up my own company. So becoming an entrepreneur myself. That was my background in a super small nutshell. <laughs> Great. So one of the companies that you've been working with is Wondershop. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about what your role was there and um, how you also got involved in that project? Yeah. Uh, so to give you a little bit context, initially I started working with the We Foundation. In Finnish, it's called Mesatia. And I went there as a communication specialist and We Foundation is a foundation that is uh, that's purpose is to tackle social exclusion among kids and youth. And now last October, we launched a gaming studio called Wondershop alongside the foundation. So basically, it's a hybrid of a startup and a foundation, a very unique sort of hybrid uh, where they have like a common goal to tackle social exclusion among kids and youth, but a bit like di- of different tools that they work around with. And so Wondershop is the gaming studio part, uh, and it's basically an impact-driven game studio that fights social marginalization among kids and youth with gaming. And it's kind of like continuation of the work that the foundation has been doing and has done to tackle uh, social exclusion among kids and youth. So it's an interesting combination of a, of a startup and a foundation. And my role there initially was just communication. So I, I started there as a communications specialist, but we had an amazing leader there. Like she's the current CEO of the company called Anastina Salminen. And she saw how passionate I am about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion related topics and I also had gained uh, already a lot of experience working in that field. So she basically changed my role in the company to kind of a hybrid role. So I became a communications and inclusion specialist. And this meant that I was able to work with DEI related topics and internal development. And I was able to give workshops about the theme and spar it with the game team and with HR and with leadership. Uh, and like really try to develop these aspects inside the company, which was super valuable. And that 
uh, hybrid role was super interesting because at the same time I was able to work on the communications and marketing side and also bring the inclu- like inclusion knowledge there. And at the same time, I was able to do some other internal development work. So working with that new hybrid role, as you say, what would you say was the best, most enjoyable part of that job? Well, I was able to truly influence the role and like the work I was doing, like it was super, I don't know how to say it in English, but you really have autonomy in your uh, work, the, the work that you do, and you are giving the right kind of support and tools from the leadership in order to be able to do what you want to do and where you want to develop. And that was definitely the best part of my role because I got the right kind of support and encouragement to develop, succeed and go forward. And, and that was enabled by super good and inclusive uh, leadership. But maybe like this ca- might sound a bit too abstract, but I really felt like that I was driving change internally and externally with communication as a tool, but also like being able to increase the understanding of DEI related topics and yeah, being able to have influence and impact internally and externally, what was, I think, the best part of my job. Great. So... As an inclusion specialist, what would you say through that role and other research that you've done, what have you discovered about the workplace in Finland? Well, it's a super broad topic, but first of all, this is like more broadly the whole diversity, equity, inclusion field in Finland. First of all, there's still a lot of, uh, there's a lack of diversity in the Finnish working life. And there are many challenges in organizations. First of all, lack of understanding these issues is one very common problem. Often still when we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, we tend to focus on gender equality. And while gender equality, of course, is a super important part, but we need to start addressing the other aspects of diversity, like ethnicity, religion, accessibility, disabilities, age, sexuality, like these these are just to name a few, but we need to talk about diversity in a more broad perspective and also take into account the diversity inside diversity so the different intersecting identities and aspects that uh, overlap and are intertwined in people's identities and backgrounds but yeah and one more thing that comes to my mind is uh, maybe like when we talk about inclusion it's easier for organizations to understand the behavioral inclusion meaning like the inclusivity between people and in the behaving of people like for example between employees and team members but what is harder usually to to kind of get through is the structural inclusion part, which refers more to like uh, how are different processes and practices in organizations? Uh, how, how could we make them more fair and equitable for people from different backgrounds? And maybe in, in general, like there's a lack of understanding of structural inequalities in society and how they are reflected in our organizations. And if we want to build sustainable inclusion in workplaces as well, we need to kind of understand the bigger picture because organizations are reflections of our society and its problems. So we have to understand racism, not only like, for example, racism, not only on the interpersonal level between people. We need to understand how it's embedded in the structures of our society and therefore how they are reflected in also organizational processes like, let's say, uh, recruiting discrimination. If you have a foreign sounding name, this is just one concrete example. But yeah, I could talk on and on and on about <laughs> about this, but these are the first things that came to my mind. For me, coming from the UK, we have a very, very diverse landscape and a culture 
And that's been embedded into society over generation after generation after generation. Whereas from being in Finland, I feel like it's slightly less maybe internationalized. Do you think that this attitude in Finland is currently changing? And what needs to be done to be able to help it and help Finland become more of a multicultural hub? Mm, very good questions. Well, first of all, yeah, of course, like our societies are are different. But uh, it doesn't mean that, like, I, of course, I know that you didn't mean it that way, but I would just want to uh, underline for the audience that it doesn't mean that there are no structural in- inequalities in societies with more diversity. So that, like, that doesn't kind of erase the, pro- the core problems of the society and the world. I think, like, first of all, in Finland, too, like, of course, we're a smaller nation with fewer people. But there has been diversity inside our society as well. We have a long history with the Sami people, with the Roma. We have a history with Finnish Jewish community, Tatars. Actually, I don't know how they're called in English. And we've had like people from different countries, like immigrants since I don't even know how long back it goes, but as, as, uh, for sure from the 80s already. So diversity in Finland is not such a, a new thing, actually. And this is something that you hear a lot that people might say that yeah but there's just not so much diversity in Finland but I want to challenge that thought a little bit and maybe to go further in your question I think that question is super broad like how can we make Finland more like a an, an, uh, multicultural hub and more welcoming to international talent I think it has to work two ways uh, first of all we need to address the diversity that that we have in the Finnish working life and we need to normalize diversity in Finnish working life but at the same time that that won't happen if we don't work to advance inclusion as well because people from different backgrounds really need to be feel welcome and they need they need to be given equal opportunities and they need to be able to get included and feel psychologically safe in order to also flourish in the work that they do so at the same time we need to work on normalizing diversity and at the same time we truly need to work on advancing inclusion in society and working life because yeah that's I think like that's the systemic way of making sustainable change in these matters and I know this is super high level but the question uh, was broad and I was trying to kind of like find a like yeah some some sort of like red line uh, (laughs) to cover that And of course, like I want to emphasize as well that there are no quick fixes in these kind of challenges that it, we have to work on many fronts uh, in order to to make sustainable and systemic change. Um, so when you, when you were saying about uh, in, inclusion, as, as an immigrant myself, I know firsthand the struggles of being able to find work and be able to kind of embed in culture in Finland. With so many companies requiring Finnish's working languages, not considering international workers, and in some cases, as you've said, um, applicants being overlooked because of not having a Finnish name or having a name that doesn't really fit. Uh, so what advice would you give internationals who are trying to look to embed into work life in Finland? And what do you think the steps are for employers to be able to make these jobs more accessible? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, like the research showing this name discrimination, for example. Uh, I think I use this example a lot because it's a super concrete example of the one element of discrimination happening in working life. And it's what you said that very often companies require Finnish as a 
as a skill, even though like inclusion could be driven in other ways as well in the company. And therefore, it would be possible to drive space for people from diverse backgrounds as well. But yeah, uh, I want to emphasize about the research, though, that there was a huge difference, like whether you had a Finnish name, but also if you had an English name, Russian name, Iraqi name or a Somali name. And your chances to get a job interview were the worst with the Iraqi and Somali name. So there are like differences also like of on how your name sounds actually. Just wanted to underline this this fact of the research as well because I think it's super interesting and I think it shows uh, some aspects of structural racism in it too. But for international people, I wish I had some super good answers to this. And I'm like I'm privileged in a, in that way that I myself know Finnish, uh, so that has helped me in many ways in the job market. But I would say that networking is one key element. Getting to know people in your communities, getting to know people from different organizations and there are for example like you probably know the shortcut and like there are communities and organizations that are actually trying to help international talent to get jobs in Finland so maybe reach out to them maybe those would be like the, some simple advices that I, I would be able to give I'm, I'm trying to do my part in trying to advance diversity equity and inclusion in working life and make make these organizations realize that they need to create this space for diversity and they need to advance inclusion to also understand the amazing potential that international employees have uh, also and the benefits to, for their businesses. So I'm trying to work on that front. And what should employers make to, to make jobs more accessible? Well, this is also a broad question, but maybe since we talked about name discrimination, one thing that I would say is that recruiters, it would be very important to pe- for people working in HR and recruiting to go through, for example, unconscious bias training. So that they would be able to recognize some of the biases. We all have biases, so it's okay to say that out loud. But maybe for them to get more tools to understand and recognize their biases and then navigate them in the work that they do. And I think that is one crucial point for making like recruitment more inclusive. And that way, maybe that's like a one concrete step that that companies can do to make jobs more accessible. But also like, I often hear that people say that, yeah, yeah, but there just was no enough diverse applicants to this job. And I think that's also partly an excuse. Like if you want to recruit people from more diverse backgrounds, you also you need to make an effort as well, because often when there's lack of representation in companies, it, and lack of representation, it's also not very welcoming initially to people from different backgrounds. For example, if I see a, an all-white organization, I, the first thing I'm thinking about, wow, I'm wondering all the minority stress I will face in that organization or the possible microaggressions and, and minimizing and gaslighting. So yeah, I don't know if this made any sense, but this is just my flow of thinking <laughs> right now. And you were saying that uh, networking is something that's um, increasingly important. And I, I've personally found that since being part of this kind of Tampere ecosystem and network, that a lot more opportunities have kind of fell my way through knowing different people and kind of getting more involved. And that's a big part of entrepreneurship is being in these communities and really networking and joining in and, be, and being a, an active part of a community. And that's obviously really important in entrepreneurship. But when 
you said you're transferring over to entrepreneurship yourself, starting a business. And one of the things that comes up when you are building a business is the amount of work that goes in and the amount of challenges that you're constantly facing and constantly trying to overcome to be able to build that business and kind of gain success from it. But so far, would you say in, in your career, what challenges have you faced and how have you managed to overcome them? Yeah, well, first of all, I didn't actually even ever dream of becoming an entrepreneur because uh, when I was growing up as a, well, I'm a white passing woman of color, but I'm still a woman of color. So when I was growing up in Finland, there was no representation in that field for me. So that's why it, it wasn't something that I wasn't even able to dream of. And even though I have like this, I ha- I'm very entrepreneurial, if you can, so to say. But yeah, so first of all, when I entered working life in Finland, I was actually quite disappointed by the lack of diversity and lack of representation in, in Helsinki. And also like when I started my career, I often found myself in situations where I had to face microaggressions or gaslighting or minimizing minimizing me as a young professional uh, who was a woman but also a person of color uh, so I kind of had to navigate through a lot of structural inequalities and overt and covert for forms of discrimination so like these were the challenges that I had to face in working life before even uh, being able to dream of becoming an entrepreneur and the, the thing I'm I, why I'm bringing this up is not for I'm not seeking like pity when I bring these things up. I'm bringing these things up because many people from marginalized minorities have to navigate through a lot, a lot of subtle and not so subtle discrimination in working life. And this just takes up your energy that kind of can hold you back on getting to your full potential. And it's actually very frustrating because uh, the, in a perfect world, I would really just love to focus on, the, on just the thing that I do on my work. But if you have to constantly navigate through different forms of subtle and not so subtle forms of discrimination, it takes up your energy that also is kind of like locking you from unleashing your full potential. So uh, again, like underlining the importance of, of building and maintaining inclusion in order for also people from marginalized minorities and people from all backgrounds to be able to focus on what they do and give it their full energy and their full potential to what they do. And yeah, well, I am super lucky to have been able to meet the right kind of people who have given me tools to go forward and, and who have been encouraging me and providing me the tools and, and the next steps to advance in my career. And and encourage me to jump into entrepreneurship. So, and now I'm like figuring out that <laughs> the difficulties in, in the beginning of your entrepreneurship journey. But I just wanted to uh, like underline these different aspects that sometimes even prevent people from different backgrounds from even pursuing to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 very, it's very easy to kind of get talked out of this. Entrepreneurship is, is such a skill in itself. The amount of like organization the amount of networking it's it's takes up so much time and energy so to be kind of distracted by these unneeded kind of nuisances is obviously can be extremely difficult yeah we're finally done with 2020 we're moving on to 2021 um hopefully a great year for everyone uh but what are your plans for this coming up year i'm most certainly certainly hoping that this will be a better year for everybody (laughs) uh 
Yeah, so basically I'm just like, I have just founded my, my own company called Day Day. So it's like D-E-I, D-E-I. So diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, <laughs> and I have founded it with my two amazing co-founders, Nassim Selmani and Ina Salminen. We all have a background in, in DEI. And we are just building our company. Uh, we're still stuck in some uh, bureaucracy and stuff like that. But soon we will be able to launch our brand and, and website. And we are starting our first projects already regarding diversity, equity, equity and inclusion. And of course, like we are con- concentrating on, on like developing our services and our marketing and communications and getting our first projects up and running, but also doing it with a very startup mentality. So not try also like not overthinking and just doing as well. But we have a, a strong like expertise background on DEI and communications matters, but we are still learning the entrepreneurship side of things, <laughs> so to say. Or like we are in the beginning of our journey in that. And hopefully by the end of the year, we will have many projects uh, behind us. And hopefully we have been able to make some sort of an impact in these companies and organizations that we work with. Great. Yeah, that sounds all, all very exciting. I wish you the best with that. Thank you. So is, is there anything that you think that our listeners should check out or that you would like to, like to promote? Well, of course, like, I am an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And of course, that's, that's like entrepreneurship is just a tool for me to advance these aspects. So of course, in the end, I want to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you're interested in it, learn about it. You can always reach out for our organization as well for help, but there's plenty of good knowledge provided on the internet as well. And there are many interesting actors in Finland as well working on, on this subjects and also like grassroots organizations working with anti-racism or disabilities or sexual minorities or or anything so if you're interested reach out find out learn sometimes these topics might sound frightening to some people but it's not about guilting or shaming anyone it's about learning and and evolving developing and be, becoming more accountable towards each other so I would also encourage people to not, not to be afraid of diversity, equity and inclusion topics and engage and learn and evolve and evolve. So basically, that's it <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> and lastly, on your LinkedIn, you've got um, a few articles that are really, really interesting that cover this subject. So um, you could definitely um, check out your LinkedIn. We, um, we could put that in the link for this podcast. But Lastly, I'd just like to thank you for, for coming on. It's been, it's been a really great conversation. Really, you've raised some really interesting points and I really wish you all the best with your um, upcoming entrepreneurial adventure. Thank you so much for having me. This was super inspirational and I loved, loved this talk and have a great weekend and rest of the year. <laughs> Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks. Again, I'd like to thank Yasmin for coming on. Remember, you guys can check out Tribecast on social media, on both Instagram and Twitter. We'll be back next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.